All right, what's up, y'all? How we doing? Okay, all right, all right. Hey, if you have a Bible with you, let me see it. Hey, put it up in the air. Let me see it. Let me see it. Hey, yo. Heck yeah. That's a lot of Bibles. Okay. Uh, I want you to open up to Daniel chapter 1, and pretty much every time we come into here, into chapel, you can grab that Bible, you can open up to Daniel chapter 1, that's where we're going to be diving in all week long, okay? Um, like Harry said a couple times, my name's Austin, I'm pumped to be with you guys here. I, y'all, I love Meadow Ranch, okay? And if you've been here before, you know how awesome Meadow is, if you're new to Meadow, you're in for a treat this week. Like, those live productions, are you kidding me? That was awesome. Anybody else scared to death of those cannons that went off? Anybody else still feeling their pulse? Okay, just me. All right. Um, I'm, uh, I'm from San Diego. I, I live down there. I have, uh, this is a picture of my wife and my little girls right there. That's Piper in my arms. And then that's, y'all, I have a three-month-old named Phoebe. And they're all here at camp with me this week. So stop us in camp, say hi, give Piper a high five. Um, that's Phoebe right there. Oh, isn't she precious, okay? Uh, we love our little Phoebers. But um, I, so I'm, I'm a high school pastor down in San Diego, but I'm originally from the Bay Area. So all my sports, hey, hey, hey. So all my, all my sports loyalties are, are from the Bay. So I'm a big San Francisco Giants fan. Okay. This one's, this one's a little less popular. I'm a massive, maybe even a bigger than a Giants fan, I'm a massive Raiders fan. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm, uh, you'll, you'll, see, you'll see the gear, you'll see the gear throughout the week. I am, I am walking, talking proof that now that Derek Carr has left, you can still be a Christian and be a Raiders fan. It's possible, okay? It's, pos- it's rare, but it is possible. But um, I'm, not, I'm not actually f- originally from San Diego. I live there now. I've been there for the last six years, but most of my life, I, I lived in the Bay, lived down in San Diego, but I grew up down in a place called Quito, Ecuador. And so when I was seven years old, uh, my family, I'm the youngest of four siblings, and so my family, there's six of us, we got in an airplane, we flew all the way down to Ecuador in South America, and I spent 11 years of my life living down in Ecuador. My parents are missionaries down there, and so I, I spent a chunk of my life down there. And, and honestly, when I moved, not much changed as a seven-year-old. Like, at seven, you're still pretty, like, malleable, flexible with life and stuff. And so the biggest thing that changed was sports. Like, I was a big baseball player at the time, switched over to soccer. And then we had a dog and a cat when we went down there. My cat's name was O'Malley. My dog was Seamus because we're, like, super Irish. And then, uh, but the, the pets in Ecuador were a little bit different. And have you ever, guys, have you ever, like, uh, eavesdropped on one of your parents' phone calls? Has ever happened before? So my dad, my dad uh, started saying the word monkey on the phone. And so he was like, like one too many times, right? Like in any normal phone call, the word monkey, if it's said more than like three times, it's a peculiar phone call. So my siblings and I were kind of gathering around. We're like eavesdropping in on this phone call. And my dad does one of these, right? He stops and he looks at us and, and he goes, hey, do y'all want a monkey? And like, as a seven-year-old, right? And then like my three older siblings, like there's only one right answer to that question, right? And I'm like, yes, like, duh, we want a monkey, dad. So here's what had happened, right? One of my dad's buddies had gone down into the Amazon jungle, okay? And he brought back into the Andes Mountains, he brought back this little like pocket 
marmoset, Fu Manchu, mustache, little tiny monkey, like yay big. Okay? And he brought it home and he walked in the door and was like, babe, look. And she said, nope, out, right? Not in my house. Like, I don't want a monkey in here. Out, out, out. But here's the deal. My mom was traveling <laughs> out of town. So my dad's like, hey, no need to ask mom. Like, we'll just get a monkey. So he asks us if we want a monkey. We say yes. We bring him home. We take my dog. We kick him out of the crate, right? We're like, Seamus, out. And we take the dog crate, and we put like a stick and a leaf to recreate what the monkey was used to, right, in the crate. And we're like, all right, what now? And we just had this monkey, and then we're like, what do we name him? And so there was this local uh, like tribe down in Ecuador named the Warani, and we named this monkey Chime which in a local Warani tribal language means monkey. Huh? Huh? Genius. Genius kids. But eventually, my mom came home from her trip. Uh, my dad's telling me, he's like, all right, like, I, I bought mom flowers. We cooked her favorite meal. Like, nobody, like, everybody play it cool. Don't tell mom. And so we're at the airport, and right, I'm seven at the time. So the other siblings are, like, playing it cool, and I'm like, Gotta tell mom, gotta tell mom. So my, the first thing I see my mom, my mom's like at the rolly suitcase. My dad's got like that big old smile on his face like, hey, babe. And I'm like, we got a monkey. <laughs> I just blew it right away. Like not cool at all. But my house was like always full of like people, four siblings, monkey. We had two parrots named Dumb and Dumber at one point in time. <laughs> we had a, turtles and cats and dogs. And like I loved growing up in Ecuador. I had a blast doing it. When I was 18 years old, graduated high school, went to Biola University. Um, I played soccer at Biola University. Any soccer players out there? Any so Hey, okay. Growing, big old growing sport in America. Not as fast as pickleball, but still growing in America, okay? But, um, and then I landed, I, I worked here in Meadow Ranch. I spent some time here in Meadow. Um, I actually met my wife up here at camp, and then we live down in San Diego now, and I love, I get to work with students all the time. Hi, I work with high school students specifically, but I love junior high students, and I just want to, I want to make two commitments to you this week, and then I'm going to ask that you make one commitment back to me, okay? Can we do that? Okay, so I'm going to make two commitments to you, and I'm going to ask that you make one commitment back to me, okay? The first one is this. I had you hold your Bibles up in the air because everything we talk about this week, everything that when you come into this chapel and we open up God's word and I'm standing up here on stage, my first commitment to you is that everything we talk about is gonna come straight out of God's word. That this book right here that many of you are holding in your hands, this book is actually 66 different books written by 40 different authors on three different continents in three different languages written over the span of 2,000 years that tells one story. Do you know how cool that is? Right, like, like if you have a Bible in your hands right now and you're kind of just used to the fact that you have a Bible in your hands, y'all, one of my prayers for you this week, one of my hopes for you this week is that you have a renewed interest in what this book is all about. Right? If you started a book and 2,000 years later it was finished, and 40 different people wrote 66 different books, and it happens to tell one story? Like, that's bananas. And yet most of us, if you're anything like me, like, I grew up around this stuff all the time, and so you get a Bible, and you're just kind of like, sure, it's like God and stuff, and it's kind of boring. Hey, but friends, let me just invite you in this week. Everything we talk about in this chapel, it's not going to be uh, Austin Payne's best ideas on how to live your life as a junior hire. 
I'm not just going to talk to you about some philosophical ideology on like how should, like what's the best way to be a really good person? That's not what we're going to talk about this week. See, this is the greatest story that's ever been told, that's hardly ever told in its entirety, and we're going to dive in this week. So that's commitment number one. Commitment number two is, I love that Harrison said this. He said, I'm not going to treat you like an adult because nobody wants to be treated like an adult, right? Like I turned 31 two weeks ago, and to be honest, like, Y'all, like, I, at 31, I still feel like a kid. And so I don't want to be treated like an adult. So I'm not going to treat you like an adult, but I am going to treat you with respect. And here's what I mean by that. Hey, all week long, we're going to dive in and we're going to talk about some truths. And we're going to talk about some hard truths. And we're going to dive into God's word. And I'm not going to dumb this down for you. I'm not going to go like, listen, boys and girls, there's a God. And you're like, uh-huh. Right? Like, I'm, I'm not going to do that, okay? Because here's, here's why. Here's why. I've, for the last 10 years, I've been working with students. And I, I've gotten to work with hundreds, if not thousands of students. And I've watched junior high students, sixth graders, seventh graders, and eighth graders make adult decisions. Y'all are ready for it. Okay? So don't, don't spend chapel bothering the person next to you. Don't spend chapel distracting the person next to you. If you know there's that person in chapel that you know, like you just can't handle it when you're around them, don't sit next to them, right? So my commitments to you, right? Number one, I'm gonna, we're gonna open up God's word all week. Number two, I'm gonna treat you with respect, enough respect to not dumb down God's word. I'm gonna tell you the whole story because I think you're ready to respond to this God. And here's the one commitment I ask back, okay? The one thing I ask back, is that this week at camp, whether you've been around camp and church for forever, right? Like you've signed up for every camp, you sign up early, you go to youth group every week, right? Your church, you're like your family goes to church, like maybe you're like me and you've been around this thing for forever, right? If you're on that side of the spectrum, or maybe you've never really done this church thing before, Hey, maybe this camp is the first time that you are showing up to something like church-related. And maybe you've never heard the story of Daniel. And maybe when I said, if you have a Bible with you, you don't have a Bible with you. Wherever you fall on that, you've been around this thing forever, or you don't know, like you don't know anything about this whole God thing and this church thing. Here's my challenge and what I'm asking back from you. That this week, over the next six days that you lean in, Hey, that you give God a shot, that whether or not you've been around him, you believe in him, you know him, uh, maybe, you, maybe you think you know everything about this God. Friend, lean in and watch the God of the universe surprise you this week. And I just want to invite you. Hey, my life was absolutely radically changed by this Jesus character. That the 66 books in this Bible are all about this Jesus character. And my life would, is not the same without him. Your counselors, the adults that are up here this week, their lives are not the same without that Jesus. And so for the next six days, my invitation to you is just be here for it. In cabin discussion, be there for it. Show up, be real. Hey, lean in this week and watch what God can do with this week. Are you with me? Yes? Okay, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into Daniel chapter 1. God, we thank you for Hume Lake. We thank you for this place that we can come and we can open up your word. God, and I just pray right now as we dive into the book of Daniel, God, that you would be here 
in this room that you'd be present, God. We believe that you already are and we're expectant that you would show up in the lives of these students, of these leaders, of the Hume Lake staff. God, and that as you show up in our lives, as you're present in this place, and as we become more and more aware of you, God, we just ask that you would continue to transform our lives. God, that this week wouldn't just be a fun memory, there wouldn't just be a movement of energy, but there would be a transformation. God, and we thank you for the story of Daniel. We thank you that was penned into the Bible. And we ask this week that our first question in reading this story would be, what can we learn about you? And then as we learn about you, God, would it give us a better understanding of who we are? We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. amen. Okay, Daniel, chapter 1, verse 1. That big, bold number is your chapter. That little number is your verse, okay? And Meadow Ranch, here's what I'm going to ask of you all week. Here's where I need your participation, okay? If you are in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, can I get a nice, loud preach? Okay, we're going to get better at that all week. Hey, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 says this. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Okay, pause real quick and look up at me. Here's the cool thing about the Bible. When it says things like, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, like the Bible is not just adding fluff here for the sake of fluff. Like, and, and these names might not mean anything to you, that the numbers might not mean any, anything to you, but this is the Bible saying, this is a real time with a real place and real people. Here are, here are the dates, here are the leaders. That there have been over 25,000 archaeological digs that confirm the truth of the Bible. This isn't just like a fairy tale with like real life application. That, that God's word, when it talks about people, when it talks about history, when it talks about dates, that this is true. That it's grounded in truth and it's verifiable by looking at history by digging in archaeology and going, these were real people in a real time and a real place. So in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord, what? Delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were, be, they were to be trained for how many years? Three. Three years. And after that, they were to enter into the king's service. Among those chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, or Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Okay? Pause right there and look up at me. How many of you are VeggieTales fans? Okay. Here's, here's, a, here's, like a, here's like a weird beef, right? All, if you're a VeggieTales fan, you know this story as the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? But they started out as like D Daniel got his name changed, and then like Hananiah got his name changed, Azariah got his name changed, and yet we know the story as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So kind of for the rest of the week, and I'm going to blame VeggieTales here, we're just going to refer to them as Daniel, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we're going to talk about why and why their names were changed in a minute. But I just want to pause real quick and kind of zoom out 
30,000 feet and ask the question, how did we get here? Like, how did Daniel, how did Shadrach, how did, how did Meshach, how did Abednego, how did we find ourselves in exile? Right? These, are, these are Israelites from the tribe of Judah that find themselves in Babylon in exile. And exile is simply this, right? Exile is being forced out of your home country and forced to live somewhere else. So you see the nation of Israel being delivered to the Babylonians by God. And if you're anything like me, you ever read the Bible and go like, mm, mm-hmm, wait, what? That ever happened to you? Right? Like this is one of those moments for me when I read the Bible and I go like, the Lord delivered Israel into the Babylonians' hands. And you're like, wait, why would God do that? Like that seems kind of mean. Like why did, why did the Babylonians conquer Israel and God was just like, here you go. Here's my people. You can have them. But here's the crazy part. If we zoom out in this story and we read it in its context, right, in a place called uh, 2 Kings, verse 24, we see that the nation of Israel again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. That you see these characters up here on stage and they, they have the word of God. They have the way of the king and, and they have a choice. They can either follow that way or they can do things how they want to do them. And so when we see in the Bible, in a place like 2 Kings verse 24, it says, again, in the reign of King Jehoiakim, we see Israel choose to do things their own way. Now, which begs the question, why would somebody choose to do something their own way? Which if we zoom all the way back to a book called Genesis, which is in the very beginning of your story, right? four words changed the history of mankind. You got God, He creates everything we see around us. And then the peak of his creation, it says that in Genesis chapter one, verse 27, that he made male and female in his own image, he made them. And then he gives them a choice, right? He says, you can either choose to do love my way or to do life my way, or you can choose to do life your way. Why? Because forced love is not love at all. And we're going to talk more about that this week. But he gives Adam and Eve a choice. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we see the fact that we have an enemy come in. And our enemy says these four words and it changed everything about the history of mankind. Did God really say? Did God really say? These four words changed everything. Because you want to know what our enemy is trying to do? Right? He's crafty but not creative. These are the same four words he asks you and he asks me today. Did God really say? He's trying to get Adam and Eve to not trust God and not trust what he says. Because if we don't trust God and we don't trust what he says, then when God gives us something to do, mainly his word, and says, hey, I'm going to show you how to do life my way. If we go, did God really say? Can I really trust him? Can I really trust what he says? If we doubt that, Then 2 Kings 24 happens. Again, Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And in Jeremiah chapter 23, we see that God, over 23 years, gave Israel a chance to turn back to do life his way. 23 years of sending prophets. 23 years of giving them his word. 23 years of calling them back to himself. And then he delivers his people. Why? Because they didn't trust God. My daughter, Piper, um, she, she's almost three. And y'all, I really hope you all get to meet her this week. In fact, 
I might even bring her up here at some point this week because she's a hoot. Homegirl's a riot, right? She's like stubborn and fun. And like today we were playing, y'all know those like strider bikes that don't have the pedals? She goes, look, dad, look how fast I can go. And we're at a friend's house and they have this like that, you know that like slick concrete? Not the like grippy concrete, the like slick concrete. She's like, look, dad, look how fast I can go. She starts mobbing and then homegirl just like over the handlebars face plants. And she, she gets up and she goes, I okay, dad. And I'm like, I love this girl, right? Like, I'm like, shake it off, right? Like, I love Piper. We have so much fun together. But a couple weeks back, we were doing uh, baptisms at my church. And we were in the plaza. And we have this, like, big outdoor plaza. And uh, Piper is, is, like, running around doing her thing. It's, like, after church. And there's this line of, like, 40-something people. And we're doing some baptisms. And uh, to be honest with you, right, is this a safe space? Can we, like, make a safe safe space in here, okay, can we do that? Can I be vulnerable with y'all? Um, pastors, sometimes, like in that moment, what I should have been thinking about is like the high school student that's sitting next to me and like how rad it is that I get to baptize her in like this new life, right? Baptism is this like outward symbol of this inward reality that is she surrendered her life to Jesus. But I'm in the back of the line and everything in me, sh- like if I was a really good pastor, I'd be, I'd be standing back there just celebrating baptism. But do you know mainly what I was thinking about in that moment? How gross the baptismal water was. Like, that was, like, my main thought, which is, like, kind of sad. But, again, safe space, right? Like, I hate feet. Anybody with me? Anybody else hate feet? Okay? And so I'm counting. I'm counting. I'm counting the people in front of me, right? There's, like, 44, 45 people getting baptized, which means, like, you got the baptized person and then the baptizer, and then sometimes, like, you got the homie that's, like, I'm going to be in the tub with them, right? And it's, like, so there's, like, two or three people per person getting baptized. I'm all the way in the back of the line, and I'm just watching all of these people get in there, and they, like, take their shoes off, and I'm, like, mm, mm-hmm. And then they climb in the tub, and they get in there, and it's, like, they dunk her, right? It's, like, I'm, like, I don't know when the last time that dude showered was, right? Like, I, like there's just, like, so much happening in that water. So by the time I got up, like, 90% of me stoked that homegirl's getting baptized. 10% of me was looking at the water like, I can't see the bottom anymore, right? And like, I went out and inspected that thing in the beginning, crystal clear, you could see all the way to the bottom because our facilities team is awesome. Now it's like murky, ugh, right? So I get in, right, do my thing, and I'm like, you know, baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Boom, she has to go all the way under. I'm just like up to here, right? So it's like not that bad for me. Dunked, back up. We're standing talking afterwards. There's like a bunch of church people hanging around. And, and like, you, y'all know, like if you've been around the church for any amount of time, like church people like to talk. And especially like, I grew up, I was a pastor's kid. So I was always like the last person at church, right? And we're like, dad, can we go, please? Like I'm starving. He's like, yeah, yeah, one more person. You're like, you said that an hour and a half ago. So I'm now that dad. Like I'm the pastor who my little girls are like running around, right? Like my three month old, not running around, right? She's just like rolling, right? But like Piper's like running around doing thing and she runs up to me and she's like bleach blonde hair and she's got the really like rosy red cheeks going on and uh she's been like running around she's like you know trying to like tug on me and she's like dada dada do you have my water bottle and I'm like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah yeah and then she's daddy my water bottle I'm like mm-hmm, yeah but I'm like still talking so like five minutes goes by and I look at my wife and I'm like hey babe have you seen Piper and she's like mm, I think she was like over on the field somewhere so at this point enough time has passed where our facilities team has like taken a hose y'all ever like like suck the air out of a hose, put it in a body of water, and then it like travels down the hose and it like exits. It's really cool, science, right? And so they're like, they're draining the baptismal into our field. Remember the 90-something people that have been in this thing? Feet, nasty, showered. Piper 
Piper, my daughter, is on the end of that hose. Just drinking the baptismal water. Just taking it, like, and y'all, don't get me wrong, like, I'm not above drinking hose water, like, I'm all about it, but baptismal water, like, right, like, I was, it was so nasty, and so I run up to her, y'all, I go, I, I, out of our stroller, I grab, we got this little, like, pink Yeti, right, it's got a P on it for Biber, right, it's like, I run over, I grab this, it's filled up with, like, filtered water from home, right, like, not from the fridge, even, like, not even the sink, because I'm not a savage, okay, and I'm like, I like go over and I take this pink water bottle. I'm like, baby girl, like dada brought you this from home. Like, trust me, it's so much better. And she looks at me and she got the hose in her hand still. And she looks at me and she goes, no. <laughs> and I was so taken back, y'all. Like I was literally, I was like so, so taken back by this, like this little girl. And, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm looking at this girl in this moment. And I'm like, what have I done in your two and a half years of life where you distrust me this much, right? Like what I'm giving you, what I'm offering you is so much better than what you're drinking down right now. It's so much better. And yet your lack of trust in me and your lack of trust in what I'm saying right now is creating It's giving you the ability to look at me and say, no, dad, I don't want what you have. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And can I be honest with y'all? I'm watching this all unfold and it was a super convicting moment. You want to know why? Because immediately I thought to myself, how often in my life, 66 books, 40 different authors, span of 2,000 years that tells one story. And can I just let you in on a little hint, right? A little secret. This book is not about what we have to do to get to God. If you're anything like me, maybe you show up at church and you're like, ugh, another place that's gonna tell me how to live my life and what I'm supposed to do and all the rules and regulations. When I was, when I was in junior high and early high school, legitimately, I'm an athlete, and so I'm, I'm in locker rooms. Like I'm watching my friends date girls and do all this stuff. And I, like for me, when I was in junior high and high school, I thought to be a Christian was super boring. And you had to live this boring life, but you got heaven at the end, right? I would come to church camps, and I'd go to church and things like that, and they would talk about these places like heaven and hell, and they'd be like, there's an eternity, and you're either going to burn in hell for forever or go to heaven. And so I'd be like, dang. I guess I choose boring life now because I don't want to go to hell later. And it wasn't until I opened up this book for myself that I started to understand, like Jesus, when he talks about life, he says, I'm going to give you life and life abundant. He says things like, I designed this, I made this, I created you for, for a purpose and from purpose, from community and for community. I designed you. But so much of my life, friends, has been lived like my little two-and-a-half-year-old going, "Mm, really, God? Because if I don't trust God and I don't trust what he says, then I'm going to choose what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, 10 times out of 10. I'm going to be like Piper and looking at God going, no. I'm going to do me. 
Right? And so, so much of my life was spent believing this lie that to be a Christian was boring and you got heaven at the end. And I watched all of my friends living a much more fun life than I was living. And I went, dang, I wish I wasn't a Christian. Because if I wasn't a Christian, I could do all the things that they do and that looks way more fun. And friends, I was missing the heart of Jesus. That Jesus, when he talks about life, it's not the way that I defined life. And over the years of learning to trust God and learning to trust what he says, I realized how wrong I was in junior high and high school that I thought to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus was just this boring life with all these rules and regulations. This book is the greatest story ever told because it's all about what God has done to get to us. That Genesis through Revelation, this tells one story of how incredible God is and that he would send his son Jesus to demonstrate to all of us what love actually looks like. And so this week, Meadow Ranch, my invitation to you is just lean in. Meet this God. Understand his heart for you. And tonight, my question is this. Right? Like, you're going to go back to your cabins, and the question's going to be like, hey, what did you hear from chapel? Or what, what did you learn tonight? And I realized like, it's been a long day. Y'all were like on a bus all day, and there was like exploding things from the stage, and there was all this going on. But here's just my, if you hear nothing else tonight, hear this. My question for you this week, my question for you tonight in cabins, is what would it take tonight for you to just take one step of trust towards God? And again, if you've been around this thing forever, you might go, I totally trust God. And I would just ask, like, look at your week, 168 hours a week, look at your life. Is there any area in your life that you could take a, a step of trust towards God? And if you're in this chapel and you're like, I don't really believe in this God and I don't believe in the Bible and like I'm, I'm having a hard time with all this camp stuff, like I'm here for the fun stuff, but the chapel stuff, eh. My question for you is, friend, what would it take tonight for you to just take a half step, baby step towards going, what if this was real? What if there was a God? What if he has spoken? What would it take to trust him? Hey, pray with me. God, thank you for tonight. Thanks for a place like Hume Lake. God, we, we can come up and we can be out of cell service and away from distractions. God, and I just ask this week that you would convict us where we need to be convicted. God, that maybe there's an area in our life where we're a little bit like Piper. That you have something that's so good for us and yet we consistently choose our own way. God, thank you for the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this nation of Israel that finds themselves in Babylon in exile. And as a nation chose to live life their own way, God, we're gonna watch four guys decide to do life differently. God, would you raise up men and women, mighty men and women out of this chapel that would do life differently? Not just here at camp, but as we go home, God, that we live a life radically changed by you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.